Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. Hey, it's Sarah. Today on The Big Take, we're bringing you an episode of The Big Take DC, hosted by my colleague, senior Washington correspondent, Saleh Mosin. She's got a great story for you about the promise and peril of applying AI technology to the battlefield. I'll be back tomorrow. Here's Saleya. For a long time, I had a job that wasn't acknowledged. My wife didn't know what I did for a living other than there was a paycheck coming in. This is Will Roper. Back in the mid-2010s, he was in charge of a then-secret office within the Defense Department called the Strategic Capabilities Office. That meant developing new systems, new strategies, building the future of warfare. Roper was fascinated by how big tech was using artificial intelligence to scan photos and identify objects and what it could do for the U.S. military. A lot of what industry was trying to do, being able to identify buildings and roads and objects, it it seemed very traceable to battlefield analogs. Roper would go on to propose what would become a powerful piece of AI technology for the military, Project MAVEN. But the journey to build MAVEN and bring it to the battlefield hasn't been easy. There are still big questions about whether the U.S. military should even be using algorithms in warfare. They use this language, there'll always be a human in the loop. But at the same time, the whole point of using AI is to speed up. And people talk about decisions speeding up so fast that they're, they're faster than a human can catch up with. That was Bloomberg reporter Katrina Manson. Today on the show, she takes us inside the promise and the peril of AI in the U.S. military. We go inside Project Maven, the Pentagon's flagship artificial intelligence effort. You'll also hear from the U.S. intelligence official who oversees much of MAVEN and the CTO of CENTCOM, the U.S. Central Command, whose troops are actually using it in battle. From Bloomberg's Washington Bureau, this is the Big Take DC podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin. My colleague Katrina Manson covers cyber and emerging tech with a focus on national security. In the past few years, she's been hearing a lot about how AI could be the biggest thing to transform warfare since the invention of the radio or the machine gun. But she says the U.S. military's big effort to bring AI to the battlefield really kicked off in 2017 with Project Maven. The Defense Department now likes to say they've been using AI for 60 years. Um, But it was really that announcement that said, we want to look at AI, machine learning, algorithms, and we want to find battlefield applications for it. As Will Roper, one of the people who came up with the idea, said, he always saw it as a way to find a better way of doing automatic target recognition. Automatic target recognition. In this case, scanning satellite imagery and other data inputs to identify potential threats in enemy locations on a battlefield and making sure the U.S. doesn't misidentify non-threats as targets and end up deploying a weapon against a hospital instead of a weapons factory. 
Until this point, the military relied on people to comb through hours of video footage and satellite imagery to identify these targets. But Roper thought a computer could do this faster, maybe even better. In a real battle, there's so much to see and observe to try to get down to the handful of targets that you need to prosecute with weapons. And it was clear that processing had gotten to be so good and there was so much data available that you could build these very deep neural nets. But in 2017, the U.S. military wasn't familiar with deep neural nets, and it definitely couldn't build them. The Internet of Things did not happen to the U.S. military when it happened to everyone else. U.S. military has amazing hardware, but the connectedness between it is not. So military members leave their lives where they're connected to almost everything. And they enter military lives where they're connected to almost nothing. What most people, I think, expect is that aircraft and ships connect like our smart devices do, and they don't, not even close. So Roper proposed the military make a major push, focused on automatic target recognition. But when he got into a room with senior defense officials to pitch his idea for what would become Project Maven, he didn't exactly get the response he wanted. Well, (laughs) skeptics are pretty much what fill the halls of the Pentagon. It's not a place of great creativity and innovation. And I remember still having to put together a a tutorial presentation about why this would feasibly work, why this was a big trend in commercial industry, and why we needed to be on the right side of the trend. Like any government bureaucracy, the Pentagon has a lot of red tape. Its approach is nothing like the move fast and break things mentality of Silicon Valley. That's in part for good reason. The stakes are incredibly high when it comes to anything the U.S. government decides to back, but especially when it comes to warfare. But some of those Pentagon officials did take a chance on Roper's idea. And in April 2017, the Defense Department announced Project Maven, a way to use AI and data for actionable intelligence. What that meant was developing machine learning algorithms and then constantly retraining those algorithms with up-to-date, well-labeled data. But all that outdated military tech that Roper was dealing with made that hard. My colleague Katrina spoke to one of the experts who worked on testing and evaluation in the early days of Maven. And she said it was really um, not very good at all. They didn't have the data labeled. There was no sense of everything that we'd been doing when we click online and say, yes, this is a traffic light. Yes, this is a cat. Uh, There wasn't that same store of images for tanks or weapons factories. So Roper and his team had people go through images and manually label them. There were thousands of people participating in in labeling data so that we could train algorithms. They also needed some expertise. To develop the program, the Pentagon partnered with some commercial tech companies, ones that were leaps and bounds ahead of the military when it came to AI. But in 2018, that became a problem. Google was involved in the early days of Project Maven, and in 2018, thousands of Google workers protested. The key question was, is just applying that ability to recognize a cat to a tank, how much moral culpability did those workers then feel? Because what might happen next is the tank might be exploded, and if it made a mistake, a human might be killed, or the targets may eventually involve places where humans are or civilians are. And in a letter to their seniors said, we do not want to work on warfare technology. It brought Project Maven into the spotlight, splashed across the news. 
Quote, we believe Google should not be in the business of war. Therefore, we ask that Project Maven be canceled, that Google enforce a clear policy stating that neither Google nor its contractors will ever build warfare technology. Did the protests give people inside the military any pause? I think they did. I think the military also realized it really had to grapple with, well, what are we actually asking big tech to do? These are not people who signed up to serve the flag in the way that they have. The missions are completely different. The cultures are different. At the time, you had um, senior defense officials flying over to, to the West Coast to try and understand what this completely different culture was about. And since then, the people in charge of Project Maven had to pivot and find other partners. There already were partners besides Google. But I think the Pentagon went through a renewed kind of outreach to Silicon Valley. And with the help of those other tech partners and thousands of workers labeling the data, the algorithms behind Project Maven got more and more accurate. By 2020, an army colonel named Joseph O'Callaghan, who runs Weapons Fires, started taking an interest in Maven. He was asked to start experimenting with it in his unit, the 18th Airborne Corps in North Carolina. He ran live ammunition exercises using the computer algorithm to identify a target, like a tank, and then having a human deploy a weapon to explode that target. Testing the tech is a crucial part of the process. The whole point of machine learning is feedback, trying out an algorithm and then telling it when it's right or wrong so it can learn and do better next time. But just because the boss wants his workers to start using a shiny new tool doesn't mean everyone will fall into line. Katrina told me about one officer named Joey Temple. The very battle-hardened targeting officer served five rounds in Iraq, and he was offered a demonstration of, of what's called Maven Smart System. The platform that houses Maven and other data streams. And he said, no, I don't, I don't want a demo. I don't want a demo. And he, he told me that he had a sense that stuff like this doesn't work. He didn't need another tool. He was befuddled by hearing so much about AI when he'd really never worked with AI before. And he was an expert. He is an expert targeter. He's done this his entire career. Initially, Temple wasn't interested. But the next month, in August of 2021, something changed his mind. Coming up... How Project Maven won over battle-hardened soldiers like Joey Temple and how it's being used on actual battlefields today. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. At first, senior targeting officer Joey Temple wasn't interested in using Project Maven. But that changed in August 2021. Chaotic scenes as U.S. troops at Kabul airport strove to evacuate Americans as well as Afghan civilians. It was the evacuation of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. The military had to airlift 120,000 people out of Kabul under very dangerous conditions. And Temple was put in front of a Maven screen that mapped out threats on the ground in real time. He could see people walking around, the routes of planes. For him, seeing Maven's smart system operate like that was a bit of a light bulb moment. 
The folks in charge of Maven are relying on those sorts of light bulb moments. The military needs officers willing to use Maven to train its algorithms to get better and to link it up to data and sensors and actually make it operational in the way the military runs its battles. Otherwise, it's pretty much useless. You do tend to get experiences like that of Joey Temple, who really are reticent at the start. And he even told me uh, he has people under him who say, no, I don't want to use this. I mean, he calls himself a skeptic. He he is constantly going to play devil's advocate because what's so important for him is to know, is this system really reliable? That's what I found so interesting. How you start integrating what military folks like to call human-machine teaming, what is that actually like from the perspective of the person on the ground who's who's being told, here, there's a, there's a newfangled toy, use this. Those people have very, very deep relationships with their fellow combatants, the, the, the people they go to war with, they trust. That's a really fundamental idea of US warfare, of any warfare. What if you've got to trust an algorithm? The military is now asking soldiers of the 18th Airborne Corps to trust that algorithm, at least in experiments on their base. It's now the largest operational testbed for MAVEN. Last year, Katrina flew to the base in North Carolina to see it in action herself. I was finally given an unclassified demonstration of it, and it was incredibly revealing to see it because it wasn't quite what I expected. And they, they did a mock-up for me uh, using unclassified satellite imagery, but it represented a real operation that the US had conducted several months before. And it's very much like looking at a map on your phone, only this had yellow boxes and blue boxes. And the blue boxes meant don't hit this. This is not a target. We've identified this as a school or a hospital or friendly forces. And yellow boxes meant what they call points of interest. So in this case, if you weren't asking the algorithm to find ships, it would box out all the the ships. And then you might be able to ask it to find a specific kind of ship, maybe a warship. And they can layer that in using lots and lots of different data feed sources. Not just the satellite photos and videos that MAVEN was originally trained on. Now the program incorporates and analyzes so much more data. Katrina got to hear about that from Mark Munzel. He's the Director of Data and Digital Innovation at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which since last year has run most of MAVEN. The agency has been working closely with troops to test, field, and improve MAVEN on the ground. We also use radio waves bouncing off of objects. And uh, we also use uh, infrared to see heat, light, and we also use multispectral remote sensing. So not just the visible light spectrum, but also the invisible light spectrum. Munsell told her the way he sees it, there are two big advantages of using MAVEN in military targeting. So speed is very important, right? Obviously, the faster that we can take an image, the faster that we can run an algorithm and get the results is is very important. But I will say the biggest advantage would be scale. The fact that we can do it on many images, you know, as fast as we can, is really where we're providing the advantage. An advantage that was just recently proven, not just in a test, but on the actual battlefield. October 7th, everything changed. That's Skylar Moore, the chief technology officer of U.S. Central Command, often referred to as CENTCOM. Katrina managed to get her on the phone earlier this month. We immediately shifted into high gear and a much higher operational tempo than we had previously. And the reason that I think we were able to and had a pretty seamless shift of using Maven was because we'd done about 12 months worth of digital exercises leading up to that. 
Moore told Katrina that the U.S. also used MAVEN to identify and narrow down dozens of targets that U.S. airstrikes then fired against Iraq and Syria. That for me is the first time that I've really heard someone talk about using AI to find something and then deliver a weapon to it that actually belonged to the enemy and and caused damage. It destroyed some. There were casualties. And, and so that cycle is really being operationalized. We've certainly had more opportunities to target in the last 60 to 90 days. We have a lot of examples of the Houthis presenting those types of threats. They're finding rocket launchers in Yemen. They're finding vessels in the Red Sea. And MAVEN has become an intrinsic part of that um, decision cycle to try and find out where is there a threat? What, what do we want to do about it? And how can we be sure? The tech is being used, but it hasn't been perfected yet. While humans at the 18th Airborne Corps can correctly identify a tank about 84% of the time, MAVEN gets it closer to 60%. And experts have told Katrina that that number can dip even lower, as low as 30% when there's snow or cloud cover in an image, or if it's searching for a new type of object. A lot of the U.S. military imagery comes from the Middle East. When you move to somewhere like Ukraine, there's snow, there's cloud cover, there's rain. So the conditions change a lot and the algorithms start performing far less well. These challenges are some of the things that critics point to when they express concern about the U.S. military using this technology. Another big thing that comes up is backlash against the idea of using autonomous machines, which can use AI, on the battlefield at all. There's a coalition of human rights and expert groups called Stop Killer Robots that's dedicated to keeping lethal autonomous machines that can use AI out of warfare. Even UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has called for a ban on autonomous weapon systems. Here's Katrina again. An algorithm itself can be trained using data that was incorrect or incomplete. It can also be targeted by adversary attacks. The data could be changed without knowing. The algorithm could be spoofed. It can be poisoned. It can lose accuracy over time. That's a very natural thing uh, for an algorithm to do. It stops being as effective. So you have to work out at what point do you want to change, retrain, work with that algorithm. And then, of course, when you've got uh, life and death scenarios where you're deciding how much trust should we put in this algorithm? What should we do with it? It might be feasible to use an algorithm that makes mistakes if it's just going to blow up water. You know, it's trying to get a ship, but instead it gets water, big deal. But if you're trying to get something on land, and if you miss, you're hitting civilians or any humans, of course, the risks are extremely high. The U.S. military says that this is why it relies on human-machine teaming. They say that the algorithm itself will never make the decision to execute an airstrike, it just identifies the target for a human commander. But MAVEN is making those decisions and those links to weapons faster. We want to shorten that kill chain, you know, a, a, as fast as we can. Mark Munsell again. He's the agency official who oversees the office that runs MAVEN. So instead of a human having to open up an image, scan the image, find everything on the image, and then report that out to a combatant commander, we want to shorten that by using the algorithms to do that. So the combatant commander gets the choice of what to execute fires on. And that much faster. But as Katrina points out, speeding up the pace at which targets can be identified and fired on, that can be complicated. And of course, there's been a huge amount of work on confirmation bias in an algorithm. And I think you have to wonder if an algorithm says, this is something that we should be looking at as a target, does that make the person who's there to say yes or no to the algorithm more likely to say yes or less likely to say yes? 
The U.S. military expects this kind of technology to improve. But in the meantime, they're continuing to use it. And other countries around the world, like Israel and Ukraine, are using similar technology. That raises the question, is the world ready for what that might mean? We're not ready for that in the U.S. military. That A war of algorithms, a war of software. Keeping up is the reason Will Roper wanted to bring AI to the U.S. military in the first place. We've always had this human advantage in the U.S. military because we're always operating, that, that our people are experienced and trained and they're ready to go. And we've always been able to say that as a way, if we're feeling a little nervous about a scenario, is that we've got the people who are ready. Well, with AI, it may be the first technology where you can undercut human advantage. That's a concern to folks at the Pentagon and in government who fear a war with, say, China could put the U.S. on the back foot. But war doesn't wait on software updates. Katrina learned that in 2022, the U.S. helped Ukraine by using MAVEN to share so-called points of interest where Russian equipment was located. Here's a stat that really stuck with me. During that process, the MAVEN smart system platform underwent more than 50 rounds of improvement in just the first 10 months. Roper thinks that the people within the military are going to need to change the way they think about algorithms. Because like it or not, at this point, there's no going back. The military is going to have to think about AI not as much like a piece of computer software, but almost like a member of the military that you train and that you trust with a certain amount of authority based on its training and pedigree. Hopefully those lessons will be learned before they're needed. Thanks for listening to the Big Take DC podcast from Bloomberg News. I'm Saleya Mosin. This episode was produced by Julia Press and Naomi Shaven. It was fact-checked by Alex Sugira. Special thanks to Katrina Manson, Margaret Sutherland, Vicky Vergalina, and Rebecca Shasson. Ben O'Brien is our mix engineer. Our story editors are Caitlin Kenny, Wendy Benjaminson, and Michael Shepard. Nicole Beamsterboer is our executive producer. Sage Bauman is our head of podcasts. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.